We solemnly swear we're up to no good. Welcome back to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. One Quidditch-filled minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Laguna. And today we are wrapping up the week talking about minute 65. We are wrapping up the week talking about minute 65 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, Before we start minute 65... I missed something at the very, very tail end of 64 yesterday that I meant to mention and didn't. Oh. When the when Oliver Wood and Harry first walk out onto this little Quidditch training pitch, um, we get a little bit of a beginning of a monologue from Oliver Wood where he's talking about Quidditch. He says it's really simple. Right. Quidditch has uh, seven players. There are three chasers, two beaters, a keeper, and a seeker. That's right. you. Right. That's, uh, that's you. That's you. To Harry. Well, and then he opens the, then he opens the box. So, uh, minute sixty-five starts with Oliver Wood pulling out the quaffle, and it ends with him wrestling a bludger. Uh, he takes the quaffle from the little box that he's opened up. I like the design of the box; it's very it's ornate. Like a, it looks like a treasure chest. It does look <laughs> like a treasure chest. It's got like that that curve on the top, mm-hmm. and it has like, and it the latch opens up and... on a hinge in the back. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it's got the latch, and it's made it looks made of wood. It is made uh, of wood, metal with metal fixings. I everything. like I like that it's like the three balls that are resting in the t- like inside the chest portion. Um, you've got the quaffle in the center, and the two bludgers that are kept held down by those metal uh, spikes, like the little round plate that's keeping it in place. Yeah, they're like chained down. And then something. in the top of the lid, the there's a shield that opens up, and in the shield is the snitch. We'll see that next week. Because it's tiny. Because it is tiny. Because it's small. Mm-hmm. So, there's a little thing. Yes. The quaffle, according to the book, is the size of a football. But not in American not, football. Yeah, like a, basically like a soccer ball. It's a soccer Yeah. What we would, we as writing Americans As Americans call, call it a, a soccer, soccer ball. ball. Yeah. A football. It's about 12 inches in diameter. It's pretty big, though. That is pretty big. Uh, 12 inches in diameter. Uh, I did a little bit of research. It said that originally the quaffle was made of leather. And it would have, like, a strap on the end for people to catch and throw it. Or it had, like, little finger holds, like a like a muggle bowling ball would. So okay. that you can hold on to it and then throw it. Because it's too big, really, for, like, the human hand. Um, In 1711... They dis- the decision to make the quaffle scarlet was made. Because originally, because it was leather, you know, it was, uh, it was like a ruddy brown color. And if it would rain or get, like, stormy or muddy or whatever, you would lose the quaffle in the rain. Oh, you wouldn't see it. Exactly. It would just get camouflaged. Exactly. So they made it this scarlet color. And then not long after, a woman named Daisy Penifold 
came up with the idea to enchant the quaffle so that it would fall more slowly because the game would be interrupted because chasers would have to go down to the ground to pick the quaffle up if it fell. Oh, okay. So now it falls at a slower rate so that it's easier to pass between uh, players and you won't lose the ball to the ground as easily. Oh, uh, so now this quaffle is known as the penifold quaffle. Oh. A mm-hmm. uh, little bit about Quidditch. I, I said that I was going to bring it up this uh, to today, and then we'll talk more extensively this weekend. Quidditch, the first met, uh, there were a couple of games that existed before Quidditch did that were similar, like played on brooms, balls getting passed back and forth, maybe some scorekeeping of that sense. Uh, but the first reference of this sport, Quidditch, uh, came in 1050 A.D., and it got its name from the location that it was witnessed being played at, Queerditch Marsh. Oh, hmm. Huh. Yeah. Queerditch? Queerditch Marsh. Hmm. So, uh, you know, we see the quaffle. Right. And Oliver Wood points... He's explaining, like, uh, where the hoops are. Exactly. Yeah. He, it's fun that... Like, the rules of the game, basically. We We did see this little bit of the Quidditch pitch last week when we had flying lessons with Sarah. Uh, but we get to see some of the, like, towering stands and the, the hoops in the background. Um, I'll talk more about why the Quidditch pitch is designed this way when we actually get to the Quidditch match later in the game, or later in the movie. But this was all the idea of the production designer. We didn't really know what the Quidditch pitch was supposed to look like based on the book. Based on the book, they've got, like, stands. I think it's more like a football state, like a Coliseum style. Right, with huge stands mm-hmm. all around for the audience and everything. I'll just spoil it now, actually. The reason that we have these, like, tall towers like this, I'll talk about it more, but um, it was to establish a sense of speed as the players were flying around it. Because if they're flying above the stadium and you don't see the stadium in the background as they're flying, there's nothing in the background but sky and, like, distance, like the horizon. So you don't know how fast the game is being. Like, you can't get any sense of, like, how quickly the players are moving. But if you have these towers, these uh, these stands that are jutting out from the sky, and you see the players moving around them or moving in reference to them, you get more of a sense of how quickly the players are moving on their groups. Okay. It's um, it's like when you have like a high speed camera image, and it's like projected against that background. That's like an alternating pattern colors, so you can kind of get a sense of like how quickly it's moving across those in like a like a slow motion sequence or something. Kind of way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's just to make them look like they're moving more They're going, yeah. yeah. Or more believably. Because otherwise it's just like, oh, they could be playing around. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just digging around up there. <laughs> we don't know what they're doing. Uh, in, the, in, the, um, in the book, bef- uh, Harry gets here to the training ground before Oliver Wood shows up. And so he's just flying around in his broom, enjoying himself when Oliver Wood comes out with the with the balls and is like, "Get down here, Potter!" Like, what are you doing? <laughs> McGonagall is right. You are a natural. McGonagall told Oliver Wood when she caught when he when she saw him catch the, the, the remembral instead of catching it like directly in front of that window, he actually like caught it right before it hit the ground. Like he was in this really long dive and he caught it real quick. Um, she tells 
Oliver Wood that that's a catch that not even Charlie Weasley could have made. Which means he must have been a really good seeker himself. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. So, the Chasers... So we can talk a little bit about Quidditch. For those of you listening who don't know, I can't imagine that's a thing. Right? I don't know. Quidditch <laughs> is played on broomsticks. Yes. We talked about it at the beginning of the minute. There are three chasers. Chasers handle the quaffle, which is what we just saw, the penny full of quaffle. Which are the ones that you use to actually score the points. Yeah, you get hoops. ten points every time a quaffle goes through the hoops. So there are seven players in each team. Three of them on each team are holding the quaffle and passing it to each other. The goal is to get it through the hoops. Mm-hmm. You've got two beaters. We heard that term with uh, Fred and George a couple days ago. Right, and beaters are the ones that hold the the, the bats. They try to keep from getting bloodied up too to, badly. To basically hit the... Uh, the bludgers. The bludgers. We'll see the bludgers the later seeker. in this minute. Uh, I'll talk about the bludgers in a minute, because I have a lot of information on the bludgers. So they, yeah. The, the bludgers aren't used to get any points whatsoever. No, they're the bludgers are meant to... They're meant to go around and hit the seeker. Not only the seeker, they're meant to, to like, disrupt the game. Like, and in so general. you gotta like just hit them. Mm-hmm. So they're not only protecting the seeker, but protecting the rest of the team as well. That's what the problem is in the next movie with the rogue bludger. Right. Is it is it is bewitched to go exclusively after the Gryffindor seeker, as opposed to just going after whatever, whatever the nearest target is. I yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course Harry's the seeker. We'll talk about him next week. And we, the see, the we already know that the Seeker's only job is to, like, to catch worry about the snakes. We'll talk about that next week, though. We won't get any of that information today. But, uh... And then the Keeper. The Keeper's basically a goalie. We'll get there in a second, yeah. yeah. So, uh, exactly. He, uh... He's uh, a, that's me. That's me. The Keeper. That's me. That's me. Defends the hoops. Yep. So basically a, a goalie. Yeah. Harry's like, okay, I get this. What are those in reference to the bludgers? The bludgers. Let me yeah, tell this, you. At this point, he's only explained quaffles. Yeah. Like, this is this, and he kind of already explained the snitch. Like mm-hmm. that. No, we haven't gotten this. Oh, this is no. just uh, on Monday. Oh, okay. Um, I like that he picks up, picks up the bat. Oliver Wood picks up the bat, and he looks at it. And then he looks at Harry. And he's like, you better take this. <laughs> like, these are dangerous. Yeah. I love the You're sound. That the bludgers make. I don't know what the sound is. I couldn't find it out. What do you mean, like the sound that you like... know? It it sounds like it's in motion. There's like a um, like a struggling sort of. Well, it's definitely struggling to get out of that uh, that chest. Mm-hmm. Like it's there's something in it. But there's like a noise it makes. You know, you you've you've. I almost want to, like, pause our recording to be like, listen, like, you've heard this, right? Like, it's making a sound all by itself. Yeah. It's independent of the, like, rattling movement. It's its own noise. Um, here. You hear that? It's almost like there's something in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's got, like, a... Like, it's alive. Exactly. Exactly. Our bludger's sentient. Maybe there's a creature inside the middle of it. It sort of, it, it makes me think of those toys, um... These Mexican that, jumping beans. Oh, no, I was thinking of those, um... 
have you seen those toys that are like the little ball and like the the toy like ferret like puppet that like the ball rolls around so oh, the oh, ferret yeah. is like playing with mm-hmm. the ball it looks like it is but mm-hmm. it's just attached so it's to the the ball, the ball has got like something inside of it that's rotating it's around a gyro which keeps it exactly thing, yeah. exactly that's sort of what it makes me think of okay it's got this sort of straining groaning motion like there's something inside of it that's moving independent of the outer shell okay i don't think i don't I don't know. I, I think that probably it's a solid piece of something that's bewitched. Let me tell you some scary stuff about bludgers. Before they were called bludgers, they were called blutters. No. Pretty sure there's a reason for that. <laughs> uh, originally, it was just rocks that were bewitched to go chase after the people that were playing. It'd be a, a rock, a really big rock. And the problem with that was the bats that they were using would smash the rock to pieces, and then gravel would just be chasing people around. And you can't, like, you can't stop What that. are you going to do with gravel? What are you going to do? Then they decided to make them of lead. Ooh, that's not good either. That's not good either. But the bats are reinforced with magic, because of course they are. We're in the wizarding world. Of course. Dented the lead. Yeah, of course. So now, bludgers are ten inches of solid iron. Iron? Yes. They're made of iron, according to the Quidditch of the Ages. Really? Hey, do you want. Yeah, you want to know how heavy they are? Ten inches of solid iron molded into a sphere is approximately 149 pounds. So basically, that's 150 pounds. 150 pounds of iron. Solid iron. And it's after you. That's bone-breaking. Zooming around. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's devastating. That shatter yeah. your leg, your arm, or yeah, whatever would. the hell, your head, if you came to contact No one's died in years. No one's died in years. Yeah, because they would you die by getting hit by a the bludger. The Weasley twins are real good at, that being at a being bludgers. Eaters. Yeah. Or beaters. Beaters. Um, I found an article, uh, like a research article that was posted on a website called um, hypertextbook.com from these college students in 2006 that studied the movements of the rogue bludger in Chamber of Secrets. Oh my goodness, okay. Based on how big the Quidditch pitch is and how far apart the different towers are, they determined that a bludger travels at approximately 60.4 miles an hour. So like a car. (laughs) And it's 150 pounds of iron. It's 150 pounds of iron going as fast as a car through the air towards you. Yeah. To hit you. So Harry <laughs> smashes this thing away into the distance like like a like a tennis ball or a baseball. Like a baseball. Like a yeah, baseball. It was like a bat, like a really big bat. Good impact. Goes flying makes off through nice, the makes it kinda like that sound. Yeah. Like a, we've like, got like that like statue head, like that's like got ball. that's like the air traffic controller statue. With the the, the little things in its hands like above its head, or mm-hmm. and it goes right between the the arms of the statue. Which yeah, it's really cool. Right, it was a very, very uh, he makes the point of calling him. He would say he'd be a fair beater. He'd be a fair because, beater. Uh, it went through 
like a hoop-ish. And then it comes back through the exact same hoop, which is really cool, I think. And terrifying at the same time. Like, how smart is this damn thing? um, Did they just play that same sequence backwards? Oh, I suppose they could have, right? And it would be just as effective. Yeah. If it's going at the same trajectory, then you would know, but it doesn't really show it. Yeah. It just shows uh, it going right at Wood. The fact that Oliver Wood catches this thing... He's like, whoa. ...is amazing. <laughs> he shouldn't be able to, but no. by all senses... That should break his ribs. Knowing that it's 150 pounds of 60 solid mile iron, iron. And coming at, at him at 60 miles an hour, then yeah, that would definitely hurt... That whole like area of his body, the no. ribs, and um, he catches it. It's fine. Don't worry. It's I know fine. he wrestles with it like it's nothing. I would like to. St- I would like to take a moment to talk about how fantastic Sean Biggerstaff is here, because this bludger is not moving. No, no, no. Obviously, it's not, it's, it's not real. But he's wrestling with it. And it's very believable. And it's, it feels like it's trying to get away from him. Yeah, like, he's really, like, having a hard time, yeah. like, wrangling Yeah, we get a good, like, ten seconds of him, like, trying to get it into the box, and it's, like, moving, and, like, it's... He's, he's really like, good He's, like, it. throwing like, it to like, the ground. Like, it's trying to raise yeah. up off the ground, and he's having to, like, put Pull it back, it back down. down. Exactly. I think it's really cool. Like, you're doing a really good job. <laughs> you're making me selling think it, buddy. that that's a, a real ball, yeah. like, trying to get away. I think it's great. Good job. Good job. Good job, Sean Biggerstaff. That's it. That's the week. All right. Go us. We made it through another week. We. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for this week of Harry Potter Minute. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a guest next week. I'm still working on nailing that out, so I will let you know for the week, not for the weekend edition. Not for this week. Yeah. I will let you know on our weekend edition this weekend whether or not... Um, we have a guest. And, uh, that's it. You can find us at DuelingGenre.com, along with Back to the Future Minute and Lord of the Rings Minute, and Geek by Night, which is back with their first full episode. It was wonderful. You guys should check that out for sure. Um, you, if you like what we're doing here, you should go look at moviesbyminutes.com and check out all the other Minute shows. Star Wars Minute, the originators, are out there, along with so many other amazing shows. I listen to, I think, six or seven different Minute shows every day right now, and there are more coming that I'm excited about. It's really hard to keep up, but there's so many, and they're so good, and they're worthy of your love and attention. So please go check those out at moviesbyminutes.com. And come back next week as we talk about minutes 66 through 70 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Mischief managed.